And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that does not care about a mural. Today, we don't care about the trade deadline. We don't care about what Luca's doing. We don't care about the return of Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Green. We care a little bit about that, but for a later episode. Right now, we care about 13-year-old Luka Doncic, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Athletic, about the Athletic. For the athletic, I write and talk about the Mavericks. Talk about but the I also athletic write too. and talk. You know, you know, it's it's. You got range. I I contain multitudes. I can talk about anything you want. I'm just gonna say some things. I'm I'm better at talking about, and the Mavericks and Luka Doncic is definitely one of those things that I feel like I am better at talking about. Mike Pellucci, you have edited stories of mine in the past that were Slovenia and. Uh, Ljubljana and mm-hmm. Doncic focused, uh, especially a younger Doncic. You heck, I mean, you edited the piece where I went to Slovenia. The, the whole thing that kickstarted this. Uh, what do you want to call it? An obsession. Um, a, a, I would, a I would say a, I would say a curated interest in a curated uh, interest. I like a that curated interest. So yes, prior to my leaving for D Magazine, as you lovely people have listened for a while know, I was Tim's editor. Uh, so we did many of these together. It was a lovely, lovely uh, nostalgia trip reading this story, not just about Luca, but thinking about the stories that we did together with this. Uh, but now I'm on the other side of the looking glass. You know, I, Before, I would know all these details about how you did this story and how you found this story and what went into this story well before everybody else read them. Now I see it like everyone else. So Tim, I will ask you, because... Uh, for those of you who have not read it, uh, let's start with that. It is called Luka Doncic has always been a record-setting genius, even at age 13. And it is about the best game that Luka Doncic may have played in his life prior to the 60-point triple-double. And it was Highest scoring, certainly. Highest scoring, certainly. It was the game that in a lot of ways put on the map, a game that really kind of cemented why Real Madrid wanted him at such a young age. And you... And it was this little under 13 tournament in the outskirts of Rome. There's a YouTube video of it that you'll see in the story. It is the shakiest YouTube video you will ever watch for basketball highlights, but it's there. Uh, so Tim, how did you find this? You always find obscure things. How did you find this game? So I did know about this. I, I want to say certainly in at least one of my Lucas Slovenia stories, the one that's about how the Mavericks came to scout him and develop him. A uh, story I did with Sam Amick. Uh, it's this game is mentioned in there. I believe it's also mentioned in my very first Slovenia uh, article, the one where I actually went to Slovenia and talked about what Luka Doncic represents to 
the country that he's from. I did not know, though, when so when Luca dropped 60, a game we can still talk plenty about uh, just because of how odd it was, you know, the slow build of, oh, wow, you know, this is all of a sudden a historic. competitive game. Oh, yeah. all of a sudden, this is a historic game from Luca. You know, it almost crept up on us. So I spent that game against the Knicks just assuming, feeling like all of us did, that it was going to be a... Uh, you know, a loss that we've seen before and suddenly it turned into something it wasn't. And what really got me thinking and this game that I ended up writing about certainly was not the first thing on my mind. But when Luca went to his postgame press conference and uh, Callie Kaplan from the Dallas Morning News asked him a question that it wasn't posed as, oh, have you ever scored 60 before? It was posed as when was the last time you did it? And I think that I don't fault her at all. I would have asked the question the same way because it seems almost so impossible that Luca has never done something right. before. Yeah. He does new things so often, but to think about the totality of his career, to think that he has never before scored sixty, uh, even as a you know as a child, as a kid, uh, it struck me as wow. Is can that be true? And Luca said he hadn't, but then he said I don't think so. And once he said I don't think so. You know, the rest of the night, I, I stayed up till like 3 a.m. writing the story from that night. But it put something in my brain at that moment. I need to find this out. I need to confirm whether he's never had one. And if so, what is the highest scoring game? So once I had slept in a little bit the next morning, you know, the piece from that night published, uh, it, it began a few hours of me trying to track down, starting to talk to Slovenians. I knew, can this be true? And what's his highest scoring game? And the game people kept pointing me back to was that 54 point game that I was aware of, but hadn't associated with, oh, this was the most points he had ever scored in his career. And yes, we're doing a little bit of sports writing, you know, uh, freedoms to say that's his career high. Obviously, you know, his NBA career high had been set, you know, uh, earlier this season, you know, one of those 50 point games he had. But I thought it would be really fun to say this is the most points he had ever scored. And now finally, 11 years later, he surpassed it. And so that's how the ball started rolling on the idea of the story and it turned into what it is. One of the fun parts of what you just said is this idea because you're sitting there going, well, of course he would have scored 60. Why has he scored 60? And it's one of the things that you underscore in this story. It's a subtle point and it's an, a point that intellectually, if you know Luka Doncic's career arc, it makes sense. But I guess you just you don't think about it this way. The reason he probably never scored 60 before is since the age of like probably what, I don't know, 12, give or take, he never plays against anybody his own age, right? It's really Every, since the age of eight. He shows just, up to his first practice at um, Olympia Ljubljana, which yeah. is the most prominent club team in Slovenia, in the capital where he was growing up. He shows up there, and this is in my very first story when I went to Slovenia. He shows up there, and I believe it's 16 minutes. He's moved up to the higher age group because he is too good already at eight for the eight year olds that, you know, they initially put him in because that's his age. Right. So eight years old until and I wouldn't even say it, it's funny because the average age of the NBA is older than 23, soon to be 24. So from the time of eight until present, he does not play against people his age. So if we're sitting here wondering, well, he had to have put up 60. How couldn't he have? Well, if he actually played against if you were a high school kid in America playing AAU ball, you probably would have had a bunch of those. But that's what makes this guy different. That's what makes him special is that 
Now, he just isn't at all used to playing against people of his same age group. And that leads into the other thing that, and this was my favorite part of the story, the great, because you you spoke to Luca one-on-one for this. And for those who do not I know, did. it is not easy to get Luca to talk to you one-on-one. And I don't think there was, there, I think there's only so much that he said that was revelatory. But one of the things that really struck me, it's early in the piece, he's watching the highlights with you on a laptop. And he smiles or he does something, but he says, wow, I, I played the same way, right? Like all this time later, what you saw at 13, and it's true, right? You you see these flashes in the highlights. You're like, yeah, I could see sort of the antecedent of what he's doing 11 years later. And you combine those two things. If you want to understand Luka Doncic and why he's special, it's the fact that he never plays against people his own age, and yet he doesn't have to adapt his game to anybody else, right? The game adapts to Luka. People play Luka, this guy younger than them, and they have to adapt and they have to accommodate what he does. That was sort of the genesis of your big story before this. All these people in the NBA who are flabbergasted and trying to stop him because there is no way you can do it. And that's, man, that's what's really special. It's when you don't even, it's one thing to be great, but it is another thing to be that good at every level of your life. And at such a, to such a degree that the basketball assimilates around what you do. That is the special of special right there. Because even LeBron James comes to the NBA and there's there's a learning curve. I feel like LeBron's game has changed a lot of the years. And that's not to say Luke hasn't gotten more nuanced in what he does. Of course he has. We could we talk about that on the show. But the broad strokes of it, you could watch him at 13 and be like, oh yeah, these kids have no answer for it. He goes to Real Madrid. Oh, these professionals, these grown European men, no answer for it. In Dallas, no answer for it. And it's a really... That might be the most special thing about him on the court. So so that's interesting. I was going to bring this up at some point in the podcast, but you want to know one thing that I did not include that, you know, I had a few graphs written on and ended up just taking it out. It didn't kind of fit this story. Mm-hmm. When you're watching that video and you're watching those highlights, there's one thing missing. One crucial aspect of his game now. No step that back. That is not. No, it's not the step back. It's not the step back. He does not run pick and roll. Yeah. <laughs> He yeah. is not running a pick and roll at any point. And the reason why is that his coach, the, the coach of this under 13 team, Yerne, who I talked to, you uh-huh. know, he's quoted throughout the article. He didn't let his players run pick and roll. And it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a Luca thing or it wasn't a it was a developmental thing that kids at that age should be focusing on other things than a pick and roll. Smart. And so Initially, I went in and actually wrote a few articles about that. And, and, you know, it will probably come up in some future piece of mine, you know, kind of some of the quotes about this and, you know, just this interest in this. But Luca never really learned or was taught to, you know, he was never taught how to run a pick and roll. He just (laughs) knew how to do it. And once he got to Real Madrid, you know, this tournament happens. He hasn't decided yet. Real is interested. He goes later. You know, he makes the decision. Him and his family make the decision to go later this summer. And... You know, he just picks he just picks it up. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it inherently. I I asked him not in the one on one, but uh, last week when I was in Los Angeles, I asked him if, you know, he was ever, you know, there's ever a moment that he was taught or, you know, figured it out. And certainly he's improved and got better and he has his reads. I remember on the JJ Reddick podcast, uh, you know, one of the you know, very few times publicly that Luca has ever really talked about his exact process when it comes to the pick and roll and how to read it. All those things he has developed with time, but it was always something that came very instinctually and naturally to him. And although it didn't fit in this piece, I thought it was a very interesting just insight into this player that 
it's it's not to say that he doesn't work at his craft and get better at it and and certainly has for you know years and years and years but the idea that to some degree Luca is just built to be a basketball superstar you know his size his athleticism you know even his skills and his his creativity are things that come to him so naturally that uh you know from 13 to 23 where he is now you know he's always been this basketball savant and in another way you know that's kind of what the piece was trying to show was that it it, de- it didn't matter what age he was like to some degree the Luca you see then and the Luca you see now is the same Luca you know just taller and has won more awards and has kind of forgotten almost forgotten about you know this this tournament way back when right but he's still kind of similar and that's and that's where I end the piece with you know kind of a look at a another young player who played in that tournament his career he didn't he didn't really grow he was you know in in the photo uh of the two together which I kind of center the conclusion around uh, you know, Luca is a foot taller than him, and Luca's five eleven at the time. Yeah, he uh, says kid, not that you didn't excerpt this part, but if you go to the link, the original full post, he says I look like his son, which just cracked me right because he does, right. he actually does. Right. So there are different people now, but I I like to think that this piece conveys that thirteen year old Luca and, and twenty three year old Luca are not as dissimilar as it would seem, you know, from a superficial comparison. Well, and. To that point, this is where I was going to bring this up at some point. If you watch the the game tape, and I really encourage you to do it. It's like six minutes. Uh, the two things that stand out to me, because, yeah, there are, look, there are some ridiculous finishes in this thing. And he, you know, passes between some dude's leg at some point. Like, you know, there, there are some tricks. But the stuff that stands out, we are like, okay, I see why the biggest European power wanted this kid so badly at that age. It's the vision and it's the timing. And that's all there now. I mean, it's you watch him and there is this craftiness to his movements. There's hesitation. There's misdirection. All that stuff we see today. And then the obvious stuff of there are passes in there. Again, not the trick pass between some guys. Like I'm talking just the stuff you see every night, two or three times a game. You're just going, how the hell did you see that? He's doing this at 13 years old. He has a couple passes that he's whipping cross court. You're like, no 13 year old should ever see that. But that's there. And this is the implication of this, right? So, you know, remind me. So he's playing with this U13 team. He doesn't normally play his age group. He's just playing with them for one tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. And he sees these guys. He sees angles. You know, this isn't a thing that with Dallas, he knows, okay, this guy likes the ball there. You know, I know where this guy's going to move. I know where Dorian's going to move. I played with Dorian for four years. I know where Reggie's going to be. Reggie's been here for a year and a half. There's none of that. There is guys he met a few days ago and he still is finding windows and just yeah, seeing he had, stuff. That's he had barely practice with them. Right. So it's one thing to do this now in a game, which is still absurd because it's at the highest level and you shouldn't be able to do the things he does. But these are also people who at least, you know, for as much as we talk in the show about, hey, the team might be stagnant. They haven't made moves for a long time. Well, the flip side of that is, you know, your, your teammates inside and out. Luca knows where Dwight needs the ball, at what height, at what spot in the court. These guys are randos that he just met, and he still is finding them in impossible situations, whipping passes that you're watching and going, yeah, 23-year-old Luka does this stuff. That is the height of basketball genius right there, where you could just get dropped into a situation with people you've never seen before, and you still make them look good, and you still run this thing like a well-oiled machine. That's why he is who he is. Yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, there there was a couple reasons he had, he had barely practiced with them. You know, one was that he just played up. Uh, yep. The other reason was that 
you know, these kids had practiced together. They had been on the same under, you know, under teams, you know, as they grew up, you know, they went from under nine to under 11 to under 13. But the head coach was brand new, uh, Yerne, because they had just gone through this cycle. Uh, you know, the uh, Olympia, the the club, they believed in three year cycles where the head coach would be with the same group of of youth players for three years. And he had just gone from, you know, his last three year cycle to his next three year cycle uh, and just happened to get Luca. But he had known Luca from the previous cycle because Luca was playing up. Mm-hmm. And now when he goes down to this this younger group of kids, um, Irene didn't remember exactly why Luca was was kind of playing. It, it was an international tournament. It was a little, a little bit more prominent of competition. I think they just wanted to win. Uh, you just bring it a ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he even said that, you know, he was like, yeah, we expected to win. We had high expectations to win because we had Luca. We had the best player. Right. We yeah, knew yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it's it's like it's like uh, in being in a college and going to the, the rec center and, and one of the you know, guys who's actually on the college basketball team shows up. My roommates ran into that situation a lot at USC. They would be just hooping and then there'd be like a guy, even if it was just like an end of bench guy on USC's basketball team back when, you know, we were decent when I was in school and just, you know, of course, run the whole gym, just destroy the place. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it would would happen to me at UNT too. And, and, you know, like the, you know, three courts and the middle one's always the best competition. The one on the left is the worst. The one on the right's kind of middle. You know, I, I could, I could be the best player on the worst court you know but if every once in a while i'd play on the best court in you know even with uh you know someone from the actual team and i knew my role which was don't mess up (laughs) and shoot open threes and that's it and but but it doesn't matter like i know i'm the worst player on the best court but you know if if we're playing with someone who's that good like of course you know everybody on my team you know expects to win so yeah i thought i thought that was a cool detail um you know, I thought about making it more of a story that, um, you know, showed more scenes from the tournament itself, uh, talking to more people around it. I did I did try to get in touch with a couple of people who, you know, just never got back to me uh, who were actually present there. But really, this isn't a story about the tournament or the game itself. Right. You know, that's just kind of the, the entry point or, or the fun little angle. The backdrop. And, you know, and everything about the story is really just about, you know, Luca and who he was and who he is now in the comparison between the two. Can we talk about that awesome celebration at the end of this game? Uh, you will you will see this when they win. Like the last two minutes of this video are just the award ceremony. And the whole team basically makes a semicircle at midcourt around Luca. And they're like, they're all hyped and they're all excited for Luca. And then Luca pantomimes just shooting them all down with a pistol like he's a gunner in the Old West. And I was like, dude, we need this in... It was basically a European kids basketball equivalent of a touchdown celebration. I was like, we need this in pro basketball. We need people to just surround Luca and let Luca do cool stuff. And because it was, it was fantastic. We need more organized showboating in the NBA for Memphis yeah, and John Morantz, for whoever it is. More organized showboating. It's a plus. Yeah, I could I could see how that specific celebration wouldn't fly for a lot of reasons. Much, uh, much less, you, you know, know, even the teammates not wanting to, you know, uh, choreograph that with him. But it was, but it was like totally. It was, it was like an NFL end zone celebration because you've seen people Absolutely. do like the, yeah. you know, the fake bowling and the players just topple over like pins. This was like a thirteen-year-old version of that. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, very, very twenty twelve. You know, and, and yeah. you know, there's even details in there about like how everybody had just got smartphones and right. The, the, the coach still had some old Nokia and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so yeah, you know, the, the, it, this could have been a story that that tried to pull more details like that. Um, you know, and I, I considered whether 
I should go down that route and really try to talk to a bunch of people who are at that tournament. Um, I, I wonder, and Real Madrid is a, it, it sits on a high castle, you know, in terms of being willing to let media members into their operations. And I figured as an American journalist with no real connections to them, you know, I briefly went down that route. I would be really curious what Real Madrid's level of interest was prior to this tournament and what it was after he did that. And I think if I had gone down that route, that's what I would have tried to find out was whether, you know, they were, they did have interest. Um, but I was curious whether like this went from this tournament, this performance and you know, the specifically the performance in the championship game, the 54 points, I would be really curious if that's the moment where they were like, we have to have this kid. We have to get this kid over here because Yerne, the head coach, the, the U13 head coach told me that there were teams uh, that he was aware of that were interested. He was not aware of Real Madrid's interest, although Lucas said they were um, when I talked to him. But he was aware of teams from like Turkey being interested, you know, which Turkey has some European basketball powerhouses, but it's a different level than Real Madrid being interested to you, which is, you know, the best basketball team. uh, Same level as in same thing as in soccer. You know, it is the pinnacle. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good question, right? Was this the game that put Luca on the map, so to speak? Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's initially where I thought the story might go. It just it ended up being a story more about, you know, the the, the differences between Luca. But, you know, if I, if I ever do find that out, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, I, I would love to. So, you know, it's it's something that if as time goes on, there's there's plenty more stories like this to to explore with with Luca's past and just how he became the player that he is now, given his prominence and, and you know, given all the records he continues breaking. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Was there anything in particular that surprised you when you, when you did this? Um, like I said, I knew about the game and I just didn't, hadn't connected the dots. Like, like you know, it, it, it was surprising to realize this was the most points he had scored. I think I had even watched this video, but it had been years, uh, you know, since I was doing some of my first Slovenia reporting and in the new context of he just had 60, technically he just broke his, you know, his career high. It was fairly surprising to even find that video and and realize that it had all of his points. Um, You know, I I think going into the piece, um, you know, I'm interested, you as a reader, like, did you expect to come across that video at any point? You know, I because I, I tried to build up and explain and be like, this is what the story is about. And then, oh, wait, yeah, you can go watch it. I mean, I figured once you reference that there's a video floating around, I was like, all right, there's there's I bet we'll watch the video at some point in here. But certainly right. it's a thing where there are some stories where you're like, oh, that's nice. There's a video. But this was one where I think this is a credit to you. You could tell the story independent of the video, but you also did in a way where I was like, oh, hell yeah, I need to see that video now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and sure enough that thing comes in and i'm like all right we're firing this up we're gonna watch luca do 13 year old luca things so yeah yeah it's a funny thing about writing where you know there would have been nothing wrong with just posting the video right up the top you know the first time i mentioned 54 points but you know i felt like building up to it and building up to it and then you yeah know, giving people the option of like oh so everything that i've been reading about for the past thousand words is right I can see it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is yeah. something that it, it works in tandem, right? You know, it's because you need to see it. When Lucas says, oh, I play then the way I play now. Well, what does that mean? You have to see it to be like, oh, that's why. And in turn, the video doesn't work quite as well without you building up to it and making it a moment. So ideally, that's what we all try to do when we're writing stories is, you know, if you're going to include some kind of visual accompaniment, it's got to work both ways. It can't just be you don't want it to distract the reader it needs to enhance your story um, and you pull that off just like you did the whole thing. So if you guys haven't listened or haven't read the story already, I assume you probably have if you're listening to this podcast, but if not, get on it. It's really good. It's really interesting. Uh, Tim's, uh, what was what was my term at the top of the show? Your uh, area of compunction, some sort of interest. I forget what term it is, but whatever Tim's area of study for Sylvia is, uh, this is a worthy chapter in that and there will be many more worthy chapters soon i'm sure i get i get halfway through a podcast and i forget everything that i've said yes already. So yes I, yeah. I that was not an area where i could be whatsoever helpful but yeah, i'm sure we i agree with what you said that. just now um before i forget it i agree with it and uh <laughs> and yeah more more slovenia more luca stories more everything to come certainly it's it's a uh you know when you have a player like this you know i i think that everybody appreciates and benefits from 
understanding them in just, you know, small but different uh, perspectives. And that's what these stories try to do. And, and, you know, that's what this one I hope executed. You pulled it off, buddy. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week. See you then. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick donchage from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP.